This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. We are back on the air. This is the Adam Ritz Show. My name is Guest. Take a wild guess. It's Adam Ritz. I'm your host. Proud to be here with Jay Baker on the phone. For our newest listeners, we used to do this show in person. We hope to do that again someday. But ever since the uh, pandemic of 2020 hit in, uh, I'd say it was uh, mid to early March of 2020, that's when we started doing the show with some social distancing uh, at two remote locations, and now we are stuck with Jay on the phone. Jay, how are you? I am doing fine, and yes, I am broadcasting live from my uh, studio, which looks an awful lot like the closet in my home. I really would have thought in March of 2020 that by mid-February of 2021, that we would have been back in studio face to face. Now, you know, we I guess we could. We we could. The studio is certainly big enough that we we can sit, you know, 10 feet apart and social distance and wash our hands and wear our masks. We absolutely could do that. But we've been uh on the safe and sorry side and been uh in remote locations ever since and uh maybe someday if we cross our fingers, I'll get to see your pretty face in person once again. Well, I'm looking forward to that moment. <laughs> uh, since we're talking about uh, the virus, uh, here's a, a study that came across my desk here in the last week uh, with an interesting question about holding your breath when you walk past people. Uh, and I remember uh, we were just talking about March of 2020 when this thing first hit. You felt like if you walked outside of your house, you were just going to you know, melt in your driveway. Like as soon as you were exposed to the air or to the sunlight, you were like a vampire to sunlight. You would just drop right where, you're, where you were standing. Uh, I remember walking uh, in a park and I would avoid walking by people. Uh, I wouldn't want to get within 50 feet of people. And now, you know, a year, a year later, uh, I still, you know, you maintain the social distance, but you realize it's not as, uh, as dire as, as you first felt when it first happened. But the question has remained, do you hold your breath when you walk by somebody? And uh, an expert, uh, Juan, do- I'm sorry, Dr. Julian Tang, a clinical virologist, recommends not just holding your breath, but once you've passed walking by a person, blowing the air out of your lungs because, quote, it's a physically robust way of avoiding inhaling any aerosols, end quote. Uh, Because the virus spreads principally through aerosols, avoiding inhalation around other people may help protect you. So, you know, there's different advice from the CDC, from Dr. Fauci on down, you know, a while back, there was, you know, don't wear a mask. That quickly changed to wear a mask. I hear recently you're encouraged to wear two masks now. Um, and now uh, to take an extra measure, maybe hold your breath when you walk by somebody and then breathe out once you pass them. Uh, have you done that when you walk by somebody? You know, I have found myself altering my path to stay as far away from them as I can, but I've never thought about holding my breath. It kind of makes sense. It, it really does. And I mean, if you think back to uh, 
you know, walking by somebody that has a lot of cologne on or perfume. I mean, as soon as you are next to them and past them, you can smell that, uh, that, that smell, that perfume, that cologne. Uh, and if it's a smell, if it's a perfume that's real strong, you don't like it. Of course, you know, maybe the next time you pass that person, you're like, oh my gosh, here comes so-and-so. You hold your breath. <laughs> so you don't yes. breathe it in. Maybe, you know, <laughs> just uh, take the same uh, approach when you're walking by somebody. Maintain six feet. You've got your mask on. Why not? If you, uh, if, you know, we're not asking you to hold your breath for uh, two minutes underwater. It's just uh, maybe time out your steps so that you can... Take a breath in, hold it while you walk past them, and then expel your breath, uh, exhale, exhale, and uh, maybe there's just less of a chance of you uh, ingesting, inhaling any uh, aerosols that might uh, pass a germ. Now, you probably have seen this. Uh, I think hats off to a lot of businesses that have put the social distancing uh, things on the floor so people know where to stand. Uh, They'll sometimes have a plexiglass shield up near where the cashier is. Everyone's wearing a mask. You think, that is so good. Uh, But I've seen these instances where everything's set up so orderly. Everyone's six feet apart. Then some guy finishes his transaction at the counter, turns, and then just practically walks back into the line of people. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. I know it sounds silly, but it's almost like we were all doing so well up until this point. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's easy to forget the these new rules because uh, you know even as simple as a mall uh, in the main corridor of a mall, uh, they've got the arrows on which way you should walk, and it's just normal traffic patterns. If you're walk, you know, the the right side of the corridor is going in one direction, the left side is going in the other direction, just like a city street. Well, if you're not paying attention and you're just going from a store to another store and you're on the wrong side of the mall, you may not recognize I'm the only one going against the grain here and everybody's trying to avoid me walking into their path. Uh, Maybe if, if you don't look down and see the arrows pointing against you, maybe recognize the entire crowd is walking toward you Get the heck out of the way. Go on the other side of the corridor. (laughs) (laughs) It is strange, though, as you said. This is like sort of a new, hey, don't forget, always remember. And, uh, you know, I think so far we've all been doing really well. This has been very challenging. And, uh, you know, as we get closer and closer to hopefully returning to normal, people are craving that for sure. I uh, had another story pop across my desk from uh, China. This is uh, a little bit of a more fun story, I guess. A guy in China desperate to charge his phone. And think about this, Jay. If this were you, would you do this? You're desperate to charge your phone. Uh, You're looking for an outlet. You you have the wire. You have the power cord. You have the brick to charge up your phone, but you need an outlet. Uh, He ended up disrupting traffic. After he plugged his mobile phone into a traffic light. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Officers, Where would you even find the place on a traffic light? Well, you know, light? sometimes when uh, an officer, like, directs traffic, there's a little box yeah. next to at the intersection that where they can disable the traffic lights. Sure. And, then, and yeah. then you can manually uh, control the traffic. Uh, well, this person found the box, opened it up. There was a, you know, an outlet in there. He plugged sure. his phone in to charge his phone, and in the process, ended up dismantling the lights. <laughs> sure. Who hasn't done that? 
So uh, this is maybe your your public affairs uh, advice. Um, maybe just ha- you know look for that outlet. Find a coffee shop. Find a- <laughs> knock on. Do anything you can to not disrupt traffic and uh, and get a ticket or get arrested. Oh uh, And then uh, finally, before we get to your stories, uh, here's one that uh, I- I've been worried about for my entire life. Um, it's how long you have to eat your McDonald's French fries before they're quote unquote bad or stale. Uh, once you mm-hmm. take possession of your hot, crispy French fries from McDonald's, uh, they are considered uh, to many the best French fries on earth, and they're certainly at their best when they're you know hot right out of the fryer. Right. Um, well, you know, and I, I'm a bad uh, benchmark for this because I enjoy cold French fries. I really do. I'll eat them uh, if I'm full. I'll save them and I'll eat them two hours later when they're room temperature. That's fine with me. Um, but for most people, they want them fast or I'm sorry, they want them hot. And how long do you have until those fries are not hot enough to be considered awesome French fries? So they did a study. <laughs> of course, there's a study. Well, of course, there's a study. I would have volunteered for that study, uh, so go on. I would have paid them to let me be part of their study. Uh, but McDonald's French fries, how long do you have to consume them so that the last fry that you eat is almost as good as the very first one? So this group called thetakeout.com decided to figure this out. The big takeaway, the first five minutes is the sweet spot. Okay, Five minutes. So if you can, okay. eat, and I don't really consider that eating them uh, too fast. You're not like shoveling them in. But if you can eat your order of fries in five minutes, the last fry will be as good as the first fry. From six to nine minutes, the McDonald's fries are still good. They consider those good. Uh, a marked decrease in enjoyment begins around the ninth minute. <laughs> so the actual moment <laughs> that's when if it takes you nine minutes to eat your fries the last fry is going to be decidedly worse than than the first few fries you eat and uh and then the end of that i guess next phase of terribleness ends at minute 11 so between nine and 11 minutes that's when i guess you can eat them and they're they're edible the 11th minute might be uh not not that great, but after eleven minutes, that's when they say throw them away. Don't even eat them. Oh boy! After eleven yeah. minutes, your fries aren't going to be any good. And I'm, you know, again, like I said, after uh, eleven minutes, an hour and eleven minutes, I'll still eat them. They're fine with me. I like cold French fries. I'm sure there's a lot of people that enjoy a cold French fry. Uh, in fact, I've been known to uh, order two orders of fries to eat one hot with my sandwich and then eat the other one a couple hours later at the end of the movie <laughs> when they're, there you when they're go. room temperature yeah. and or cold. So yeah. for uh, normal people, I guess, um, six minutes between zero and six minutes is the is the best time to eat the French fry. After six minutes, from six to nine minutes, that's when they start to get a little a little old. I guess. <laughs> now, do you think, do you think somebody would actually at the seven minute mark stop eating their French fries? Because I view that as an unlikely event that they would stop eating their French fries, even if it wasn't quote as pleasurable. I've never known anybody to, to, <laughs> no get, one near would the, stop. to get near the end of their order around the seven or eight minute mark and go, you know what? I'm just not going to eat the rest of these. Next no. time someone offers you a French fry, ask them, how long ago they got them? 
<laughs> Jay, the next time you ask me, oh, you want one of, some of my fries? I'm going to say, are they seven to nine minutes old? Because the answer is no, absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> These are seven minutes and 45 seconds old. Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is the Adam Rich Show, Public Affairs Radio. We're underwritten by our friends at Vibonomics. You can learn more about them at vibonomics.com. It's uh, audio marketing in retail stores across the country. Uh, we've got a link to their website on our website, adamritzshow.com. All right, Jay, uh, hopefully your, uh, your next couple of stories are a little more life-changing than my French fry story. Well, let's hope that uh, we can offer some help and advice to people about various topics. Uh, And one of them uh, is something that occurs very commonly this time of year. In fact, up to 20% of the population can get mild to moderate effects of something called seasonal affective depression. Have you heard about it? I've heard of that. I, uh, I think I have it. I uh, am certainly, I hate cold weather. I I despise it. I'm in a part of the country where we have four seasons. The winters are terrible this week, especially if you're in the north. We've got some teens, some zeros, some negative temperatures. I hate it. Uh, In fact, I'm looking at some flights just to buzz down and see my parents in southwest Florida, Uh, not only to spend some time with them, but just to get some air in my lungs because I can't even go outside. You throw in the dark skies, the sun setting earlier, um, the, the not just the dark skies from the time change uh, in the time of year, but the, the gray skies. Boy, we used to joke uh, even all the way back when I was in college that from November till March uh, in my part of the world, you didn't see the blue sky. It was just a dark, yes. dark gray, cloudy sky for five straight months. Uh, and so for sure, I get some of that seasonal uh, depression. Well, it's interesting you did bring up the light because it is more profound for people that live in northern climates, uh, especially northeast uh, of the United States, the New England area, as well as Alaska, and then areas that get a lot of clouds. We, uh, this show originates from the Midwest, and very typically we'll only have about uh, 120 to 130 totally sunny days in a year most of those cloudy days occur during winter and that is a real trigger for this seasonal affective depression thankfully most of the mild version of this goes away in the springtime it, it and it does tie in as you said adam with uh, the fact that you can get out and enjoy the weather a little bit get outside there's actually a little sun we have done plenty of shows about skin cancer, but you and I know there's something about that feeling of warm sun on your skin. You don't want to stay out too long, but about five or six minutes after you step out into it in the springtime, it is like a restorative thing. Have you noticed that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That uh... the second you feel that, you know, uh, warm warmth on your skin, you're like, Oh, that, that felt good. And it doesn't matter if it's late February, March, or April. Whenever that first day that hits the 70-degree mark is, everybody loses their mind. Yes. <laughs> uh, work is called off. Uh, lunchtime is four hours long. Uh, oh, yeah. There, there isn't a window up in anybody's car. Uh, and the same, and you know, it could be 68, 69, 70 degrees and it, you've, it's like, it's the middle of summer and, yes. uh, conversely, like in the fall, 
late summer, as soon as it hits, when the high is only 69, I mean, you're, you're wearing a coat. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, and that's, uh, so that's sort of the dividing line in this. If you feel like you've got kind of the mild version of this and it goes away in the springtime, you might not need to do anything. But if you feel like this is affecting you a little bit more than usual, you might want to talk to your healthcare provider and talk is the key word. You might be able to just do a teleconference because many of us are still sheltering in place. There are no tests, but your healthcare provider can actually through chatting with you, diagnose to see if there's something a little more serious because seasonal affective depression, thankfully, is mostly a mild to moderate thing, but it can affect up to 5% of the population with a very serious uh, amount of seasonal affective depression, and you might even need medication. So that's extreme. I can say uh, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say this is an, an obsession, but uh, I do do this every year at this time of year. And you might even recall I said something about it uh, on the air um, a couple of weeks ago. I watch when the sunset is every day on my, right. on my digital uh, weather app because I, I just hate, you know, my girlfriend and I were talking about how in the summer at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, we'll go out for a four or five mile walk. And this time of year at nine o'clock at night, we are already three hours deep into sweatpants and calories. On the, <laughs> on the couch, we haven't moved and we've, we're into the cookies or whatever. And in the summer, when, it's, when the sunlight is out longer, it's so much easier to stay active and, and even get away with eating some cookies now and again because you're going to go on a four-mile walk at 8.30 at night. Yeah. So I'm always I'm a little minorly obsessed with seeing how longer it takes for the sun to set and how much longer of a day we get. And about two weeks ago is when the sunset finally hit 6 p.m. on the dot. Uh, in the part of the country where we live. And uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we gained about a minute a day with the sunset. So now it's setting at about 6.15 p.m. And even though we're in cold weather, like brutally cold temperatures this week, it's it mentally helps me to know that the sun is out longer, knowing that we're getting closer and closer to the sun setting at 6.30 then it's seven, then the time changes and it sets at eight o'clock at night. Boom. Now we're in warmer temperatures and I made it through another winter. Yeah, you're not the only one. So yes, if you do feel like seasonal affective uh, depression is affecting you profoundly, please do talk to your healthcare provider. Uh, there was some talk this week, uh, interesting movie news. I know, Adam, you are not always a big fan of a film reboot or redo uh, unless it's a, a really good project. I know that Hollywood for a while seemed to not have very many new ideas, and then they were even uh, making movies out of pretty silly sitcoms. A lot of times sitcoms are pretty thinly veiled storylines. Uh, we certainly go back to the classic sitcoms of the 70s. Thank goodness they didn't do a movie version of Gilligan's Island again. You know, how how much more of that can we take? <laughs> but they are talking about a revamp of one of the great classics in film, Wizard of Oz. No. They what? are talking about it. Yes. Uh, 
They have some pieces set into place. Uh, and they say the reason why Wizard of Oz is a good reboot is because it is the quest for courage, love, wisdom, and home. And those are very resonant themes for the 2000s. So there you go. The new one will not be a musical. I had to kind of remind myself, you know, the original Wizard of Oz is technically a musical. Duh. There's great music in it. Oh, yeah. Everybody sings. Of course. In fact, a fairly famous song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is a song that made Judy Garland famous. In fact, uh, she was a child actress at the time, an amazing singer, and had quite the career. The film Wizard of Oz was from 1939, and you forget that when you see it, because it, parts of it seem kind of modern, really, you know? It uh, it really does hold up well, and... At that time in 1939, when the uh, the first part of the film is in black and white, uh, it apparently I've read uh, news accounts about people going to see the movie and their minds were blown when, oh, I it, bet. when it switched to color because they hadn't they're not they weren't used to seeing a, a color film. Some many of them had never seen color uh, in film or on the screen. Yeah. So when she walked out of that black and white house after after the tornado and she's in Oz and it's color like people like lost their minds. <laughs> I know and nowadays it, it takes CGI to do that. It, but well, I was just going to say so now we go see a movie and uh you know the the monster CGI and my kids and I are like eh that CGI was terrible. Eh. <laughs> that wasn't a truck driving over a mountain. It was CGI. That yeah, didn't on. even look real. Oh, that's funny. Uh, of course, uh, this is the time of the year when we have to do some winter driving. And uh, pretty much wherever you are listening to the show, you probably have had a touch or two of snow. We've had some snow actually even down in the state of Texas, uh, which is not uncommon, but they got quite a bit of snow. Uh, in the northern part of the state. And, uh, you know, I, now do you know, have we had any snow in Florida yet this year? Uh, I had not heard any reports of snow in Florida. I know there's been plenty of, of cold nights, the lows in the uh, the upper 30s and mid 30s in the northern part of Florida. Um, I can proudly tell you, Jay, as you get into these winter driving tips, that I did something uh, two weeks ago uh, that I was very proud of and I highly recommend it. Uh, don't cheap out on your tires. I went and bought a brand new set of tires uh, two, two weeks ago. And I had, um, I don't know, it was four or five months ago, I had a tire that was losing air. So, you know, I took it in to get it serviced. They, they couldn't repair it. So I just bought a new tire. And they told me, your other three tires are almost bald. I mean, the tread is gone. You're going to need new tires. And of course, did they uh, say you were in radio? Did they identify uh, you were in radio by your tires? They did not identify (laughs) by the bald tires and the fast food paper in the inside the car that I was in radio. Uh, But of course, my your answer uh, at a time when when snow is a is in the distant future, you're like, I'm not spending hundreds of dollars on new tires. These are fine. Uh, Well, two weeks ago, uh, I just felt, you know, the reports were coming, snow was coming, the brutal temperatures were coming, and I'm like, I am not going to cheap out on this and drive into a ditch or drive into a retention pond because I have no tread on my tires. 
And I went out and got uh, the other three tires. And I'm telling you, the peace of mind, uh, yesterday there was probably four inches of snow. I'm driving through it, peace of mind, brand new tires. Now, I didn't let it uh, give me too much confidence and, you know, drive terribly. Sometimes you get, when you get your car serviced for winter and it's in tip-top shape, it overcompensates your psyche. And now you think you are you can drive like Superman. No, you still have to drive with the utmost care. Uh, but it gave me a peace of mind that I, that I didn't uh, know I wasn't going to need. Um, yes, and, no, and, that know, is one of the big tips for winter is my, new, girl, new tires. My girlfriend even said, I'm so glad you got new tires. Because even if I wasn't worried about it, she would have been worried every day with me driving to work on the snow, in the, on those bald tires. Yeah, well, you've done what I think I, you sort of are very careful with what you purchase. And you probably thought you were being somewhat thrifty by not replacing your tires, not because you had this dangerous wish to be a, you know, a daredevil. You were just trying to save some money and, you know, you're not the only American, but this is a good time of the year. If you do need new tires, you should uh, potentially think about getting some. And here's something you know about me that our listeners don't. My car is, it is old. And I need a new car. I mean, my car is an 04. It's got almost 300,000 miles on it. And I was going to buy a new car a year ago to replace this thing. And every month that goes by, it keeps running. And every month that sure. goes by, I paid 0.00 in car payments. So it's kind of hard for a car that you know you're not going to keep for long. It's kind of hard to put $400 worth of tires on it, knowing that you should probably just buy a new car. Uh, but I took the risk, especially with this bad weather coming, of here's how I viewed it. I'm going to get uh, $400 worth of driving out of this junker for the next, if it lasts me another two, three, four months, then I'll easily get my money back. Because, you know, if I buy a new car, it's going to be three or 400 bucks a month in car payments for the next five years. Uh, if I can make these $400 tires last for four months, then I only paid 100 bucks a month to be able to have a vehicle. So, no, that's a good thought process. And I and I left the the tire joint thinking this car is going to die as soon as I pull out. <laughs> because it's always like when your car dies, it's always right after you get a full tank of gas. <laughs> well, it never dies yeah. when it's empty. No. Uh, and you know too, you know the tire guys uh when they recommend you get new tires, they're actually doing it out of some concern for their customers. I know that used to be the old thing, oh that guy tried to sell me some tires, but no, the tire guys know. They they have seen bad tires. So yeah. when they say something, you might want to listen. If you do get your vehicle serviced, it's a great idea for winter driving. The other thing you can do, Adam, about uh having your vehicle in tip-top shape is you can go to the NHTCA, that's the uh, Highway Traffic Administration website, and check for recalls. There may be something on your car that the dealer will repair at little or no cost to you to make sure your car is in great shape for winter. And is that the NHTCA.com? Yes, okay. or dot, dot, uh, .gov. Oh, it's .gov. Okay. We'll put a yes, link to that because, on the site. Yeah. And uh, they've got some great driving tips as well. One of their things was they said, make sure you know your vehicle. Let's say you got a new car, may have some features, especially today's new cars have a lot of electronic driving aids. Make sure you know 
how uh, all those work because uh, you may need something like traction control in the wintertime. And it might have just been something as simple as press a button on your dash. But you'd only know that if you know your car. That's a great point. I mean, I'm driving a 2004 car right now. Mm-hmm. And when I buy a new one, I mean, I'm not going to buy a, a, a brand new 2022 when those come out. Uh, I'll probably get a 2017 or a 2018, something used sure. dependable. But if you think about it, the, the car I get will be 13, 14 years newer than the one I have. How many technological advances have there been in 14 years? Uh, it's going to take me some time to figure out all the little gadgets and doodads on the car to make sure, uh, I, A, I know how to use them for my safety, and B, know how to uh, know what, what features might uh, inhibit my safety. I mean, if Correct. you... Uh, I can't even think of what a, an example would be, but with computer chips and four-wheel versus all-wheel, uh, traction control, the the brake systems are different. I mean, if I'm driving a car uh, that does different things than my 15-year-older car does, uh, that could be a little unsafe. So yes, it's absolutely. certainly uh, an interesting way to look at uh, when you get a new car. Jay, thank you so much for the driving tips. Uh, everybody, stay safe out there. Uh, warm up your car, uh, wear an extra layer under your coat, put a blanket in your back seat just in case you get stalled somewhere. Maybe have a couple extra power bars uh, in the back seat as well to give you some calories until you can get some help if your car does happen to die uh, during the winter. Uh, you can listen to this episode and all of our past episodes in podcast form on our website, adamritzshow.com. Thank you so much for joining us. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.